Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne? What's going on, man? Hey, I can tell you what I did yesterday because this podcast is not going to air till after Christmas, but I pulled some epic shit off. Like my wife is going to be blown away. So, you know, we went to Boston two weeks ago for lunch. All right. Mm-hmm. And so we went to this mall. We saw like this perfume and the lady told us the price of the perfume. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I'm not buying that. You know, so <laughs> yesterday I thought about it. I've been thinking about it all week and think about it. So I bought a plane ticket and flew to Boston yesterday. And she thought I was just really going just to up my points and everything, which she didn't realize that I was already done. So I made an excuse. I flew to Boston, got the perfume and came back yesterday. So that was my day. mission. So I'm going to show it to her for Christmas. She has no clue what I went for. And she really thought I needed to hit like the second, the next level. I was already there. (laughs) Pretty sweet. Dude, we got to get rid of that. We got to get rid of that because, dude, you make me look horrible. I ordered stuff on Amazon. (laughs) If my wife hears this podcast, she's going to be like, Oh shit, Dwayne, he's up in the bar now. I don't know if I can handle that, dude. Dude, so you got to stop that. You're making all us guys look bad. <laughs> That's hey, awesome, hey, dude. Hey. 20 years, man. You know, 20 years. You got to do something right after 20 years. <laughs> That's right. You know her well. That's awesome, dude. No, it's fantastic. Today, we've got an incredible guest on. Um, She's known as the Profit and Wealth Shark. She's owned eight businesses in the last 37 years. She's the author of multiple books. She's even been featured on MSNBC and Fox News. So this is uh, Ruth King. What's going on, Ruth? Thank you for having me. I am so thrilled to be here. It's been a long time since we've been able to actually get this done. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, it's and all right, Dwayne, though. You did a great thing flying to Boston yesterday. Your wife is going to be so surprised and so pleased that you thought of her that much. Thank you. They even threw in some lipstick. The lady, she said, you did what? I said, yeah. She was like, holy shit. She even threw in some lipstick and so forth. So, That's all right. cool. That's That'll be an unveil for something, right? Make sure you catch that on film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit for something. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, it's been 20 years, man. A lot of times it gets stale and stagnant and, you know, you guys keep it fresh and fun and that's really what life's all about, right? Yeah. It's about finding yeah. that partner and keeping it fun and making them the priority of your life and, you know, your family, your priority of your life. These things that we call businesses, they tend to try to suck our time away and eventually we end up, you know, like a prune just all completely withered away, but it doesn't have to be that way. It could easily be the other way around where they can empower you and, the businesses can empower that relationship even more by, by, uh, you know, having you living your true purpose and all those good things. So, yeah. I mean, um, so, I mean, we can take this conversation in a totally different direction, but you know, I look at businesses in, in three ways. You either have a lifestyle business, a tool business, and I'll explain that in a minute or a transformational business, lifestyle business, Joshua, you're right. You get sucked in or you look at it and say, okay, I need to generate X number of dollars and I'm going to spend that X number of dollars doing 
Y, Z, A, B, and C. And that's what I use my business for to support my lifestyle. I won't, I don't want employees. I don't want, you know, anything that's going to impede my lifestyle. Business is a tool, you know, as, as we are, we're talking about, it can suck you up if you're not careful because your business is, was started, bought, run for a specific reason, i.e., to provide obviously for employees and your family and everything else like that. But it eventually does get sold, passed on to a next generation or whatever. And the tool that you developed, i.e. the business, spins off the dollars, the time, whatever, to be able to do what you want to do. And I'll give you a perfect example of a tool business. Um, one of my clients' daughter was in nationally ranked in volleyball. All right. And his deal and he wanted to go to every one of her volleyball tournaments when she was in high school and everything else like that. So he couldn't do it working for somebody else. So he started his business with the express purpose of being able to take the time off to do it. And he, I, th I think he told me he missed one game in like 10 years. And now that it's done, he's selling the business. He'll go do something else. So that's what business as a tool is all about. Yeah, yeah. The idea is not to get sucked in so that it consumes you, the idea is to yeah. use it as a tool. Yes, it has to be profitable, and that's what I'm all about. But yes, it, you have to remember that it is something that is to be used to do something. Um, transform, transformation businesses is a whole other thing. These are the people who are the Steve Jobs of the world. Um, these are the people who are looking at it to change the world, do something that will absolutely impact either, you know, personally, business-wise, life-wise, whatever, the world to make the world a better place. And they're generally exponential businesses. They're not a business that's going to grow by five or 10% a year. They're going to grow 10X a year instead of, you know, 10%. So most of us, and I'm, I'm assuming that most of the people who are listening to, to this podcast are tool businesses because we start a business for a specific reason and we use it as a tool to do X and always keep that in the back of your mind. And I know I'm off the subject, but I just had to bring that No, up. that's great. That's great. No, Actually, Ruth, there right. is no subject. That's the great part about our podcast. There is no subject. You can let loose anywhere because the question I have for you is um, this transformational business, when you first brought it up, it got me excited because I think Joshua and I, we operate like this, but you said it's like super exponential. Can it be a, a type of business like ours? It's like our business is based upon creating these amazing spaces for people in their backyard, something like they've never seen or ever felt before and change your state of being. Would that be considered yeah. a transformational business or that comes under lifestyle or tool? No, well, depends on how fast you want to grow and what your exit plan is. So okay. if you guys want to grow 10x, I think that's phenomenal. You have to figure out how to do it. It is not a typical tool business. It is something that, you know, mm -hmm. if you generate a million dollars in revenue this year, next year you generate 10. Next year you generate 100. Yeah. Year after that, you generate a billion. You know, you might have started at five, but it's it's that type of a transformation. So, yeah, you can grow that way and you can be a transformational business. Most transformational businesses do one of two things. They go public or they get sold. Yeah. Okay. I mean, think about the, the transformational businesses that you've seen over the years. I mean, Steve Jobs is a, is a perfect example of it. You know, Apple, Macintosh, iPhone, iPod, you know, and all the things that they've developed over the years have really and truly changed our world. Um, mm -hmm. So what else has changed our world? You know, there's, you know, you can change the world of all of your 
customers by having these phenomenal backyards and then mm-hmm. take it from yeah. a perspective of, all right, we have one backyard. What can we do to let the world know about this backyard and what we can do for them? So you take it from one to 10 to a hundred to a thousand to 10,000 to a hundred thousand and you grow it that way. You can do it. It's not to say you can't yeah, have one. Yeah. It's just the growth mindset is very different between the two. Okay. Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. So Ruth, tell us a little bit about your past. What, uh, you know, you're, you're already getting me excited about this conversation. It sounds like you're a well of knowledge, which I love. Um, so tell us why we should even listen to you and what you've done. So, you know, where's your story start? My story started as an entrepreneur when I was a kid. I've always known okay. that I was going to have business. Even when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was doing silly stuff. I was, um, selling flowers out of our flower garden. You know, I was doing things like that. And then I started my first business when I was 23 years old. I still have that business. Um, Along the way, I ended up with a degree in chemical engineering and an MBA in finance because I hated chemical engineering. Loved the summer jobs, hated the real world. Good thing to do, you know. But what it did was it gave me a, a way to question. So, you know, and I look at the businesses I work with now. I have... Um, a lot of my clients, I mean, I've had one of my clients who started when they were 750,000 in revenue, grew it to 10 million, walked out the door with $9 million in cash 16 years later. But they were a tool business, okay? (laughs) I go back to that. They are now doing, I mean, the two partners are now doing phenomenal things. One of them's passion had been building and renovating houses, and so he's doing that full time now. The other one is playing, and I mean playing. He was always a cyclist. He does the sentries, I think they're called, um, all across the country. He also rides his motorcycle all across the country. He restarted the band that he had when he was a kid. You know, so he's, he's reliving his childhood as a 60-plus-year-old adult. Um, but that's what he wants to do. So the business was a tool to support all of those things. Um, so the, the question really is, is what do you want? My, my question to all of my clients when we start is, what's your exit plan? I can help you grow profitably. I can help you, you know, do what you want to do. But the question is, if, if you want to die at your desk, I'm probably not the person to help you. <laughs> so start with the end in mind is what the focus yeah, is. Yeah, that was Stephen Covey's thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, we, I love that. we've done tons of that. And, and it's uh, all about this. This is. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. No, you're you're good. You're good. You're, you're the you're about you're the guest. So you're about to speak. I, I need to be quiet when you're talking. <laughs> so um, I'll add two parts of this. Um, the first one is I sort of feel like what you're saying. I feel like I'm living that kid life all over again. Like I'm like a a child. All I'm doing doing like I like Josh doesn't know this yet, but I put twelve inch woofers in my trunk just the other day. So. <laughs> so <laughs> So I'm driving through the neighborhood with the seat laid, laid back and my car is pounded. I mean, like that's some shit you do as like high school teenager. And even my kids are like, dad, is this your car? So now everybody wants to hang out in my car. Like it's pumping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what what I wanted to ask was, is the company that you took from 750 up to where it is now, what was the significance about them? Because I know you did a great job, but they had to do the work. So what was the significance about them and other companies? What did you notice? Well, number one is they were willing to listen, which is 90% of the battle. They were willing to implement, which is probably the other next 5% of the battle. 
And whenever there were issues that came up, we resolved them. Their books were pristine. And I mean pristine. So we got accurate financial statements every single month. We did all the ratios and the reviews of the financial statements every month. If things were going the wrong way, we took the actions to implement changes to make sure that they turned around. Um, and we did the things that were necessary. It's not only the P&L, it is the, the balance sheet also. So it's not just looking at your P&L, it's looking at your balance sheet. It's looking at the ratios and the things that will really tell you what's going on with your business. And we decided, you know, they decided it was time to get out. And so they were done. And we started looking for a buyer, <clears throat> excuse me, probably about two years before we actually consummated the deal. And I did not negotiate it. That's not my thing. I work with really good people who can do that. Um, and they had a forensic accountant come in. Because, I mean, that was $9 million in cash. And that was, you know, 2015. That was, you know, significant. Not that it's not significant today. And the forensic accountant came in and you know they were a little bit nervous and he said, what are you nervous, you know, have you hidden anything? He said, no, which they haven't. They ran it as a business. They didn't do to mixtures of personal funds with business funds and it came out totally clean. So, you know, you cannot run a business well without data, accurate data. I mean, it's the same thing. I don't know whether you're a baseball or a football or whatever, you know, like, I'm in Atlanta. Atlanta Braves finally won the World Series again. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, all the baseball statistics are known. Yeah. You know when you're doing well, you know when things are not going well, and you've got to take the, the actions to turn around the things that are not going well, or you won't be part of the team. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing in business. And most business owners, unfortunately, do not, you know, I didn't start this business to do what I'm doing either. But, you know, you started because you want to solve a problem, provide a service, provide a product, whatever. And financials are the last thing on your mind until you get into trouble. That's when you start mm -hmm. paying attention. Um, can't make payroll. A, a vendor doesn't pay you. One of your major employees or customers leaves. You know, there's lots of things that happen. And all of a sudden, you've got to start looking at numbers. The really smart people start looking at numbers from day one. And understanding P&Ls and balance sheet is really, really easy. Most people, you know, have accountants who try to make it into this crazy world, which they, you know, because they like their little terminology. But it's anyway, um, the Courage to Be Profitable, which is one of my books, was was written just for that, explaining P&Ls and balance sheets in English rather than accounting babble. And it really does. It tells you exactly what they are, what all the pieces are, and everything like that, and how easy it is. And when light bulbs go on, it's like. Why in the world would I ever think this was hard? It's like, duh. You know, the key yeah. is consistency. The key, you know, you ask what they did, they were consistent about what they did. They knew their numbers. They knew, um, also from the sales perspective, they knew if they had, you know, I'm, I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's assume they had 100 leads, you know, 52% of them would close. You know, I, I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but they knew where they were getting their leads from. They knew how many of them were actually gonna close from their salespeople. They knew how well their employees who did the work, did the work. They knew who was more productive and less productive. I mean, you, know, you think that measurement and tools are, are boring, but they actually allow you freedom. They actually Absolutely. allow you freedom to do what you wanna do. And that's, that's the key. I mean, I had um, another one of my clients this year who's still a client. They sold 60% of their business 
for north of $10 million. And it's a whole thing. It's like 60% of it. And mm. the thing that makes that business do really well is the same thing. They listen, we monitor, we have a phenomenal team in place that are managers who understand P&Ls and balance sheets. Well, they don't have to understand the balance sheets, the owners do. They understand budgeting, they understand productivity, they understand that profit per hour, you know, for every dollar that comes in the door, billable hour, revenue producing hour, how much actually drops to the bottom line, which is critical. Oh. And then all oh, of my sure. clients, I think, are in the thing of building wealth and giving back. And then so am I. It's like, okay, you've done yeah. really well, it's time to give back to some to those yeah. who are not as fortunate. Um, and I, I live by that philosophy. So. Yeah, it's so important. It's it's such a yeah. blessing. You know, we do something similar at uh, our design manage practice where each year we put together an option where our employees get a chance to donate to whatever is on their heart, right? We we have a certain portion of profits that we put away for that and they we don't dictate what it is. It's not like a company-wide thing. It's it's like, look, you guys, you know, we only have two rules. One is a, we want to make sure as many of the dollars are going directly to the recipients as possible. So they're not giving it to something that it goes all overhead and like 2% hits the people. Like we want to try to do that and we try to keep it as local as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's the two rules that we have. But other than that, it can be anything really. And we've had such a beautiful experience with that and having, um, you know, that impact the, the lives of so many kids or veterans or, you know, animals, animals or whatever yeah. it might be, whatever's in your heart. It's, there's just so many things you can do. And when you go into a project with your team and you know that a portion of every one of those projects that you finish is going to go to someone else to help them lead a better life, it changes the game for the entire team. It's not just about making money then, it's about helping because the more you make, the more you can give. And that's why it's, exactly you know, right. it's so powerful. And it's like, some people have a guilt around money where if they make too much, they don't feel like they deserve that much money or they kind of almost uh, sabotage, self-sabotage as they get to certain points because they feel like, well, I just don't know how to manage that. I don't know how to do these things. So, but when it becomes something that it's not about you anymore and money becomes a magnifier, if you're an asshole, it just makes you a bigger that's asshole. If you're exactly giving, right? right? <laughs> If, if, if you're giving and it gives you more to give with. So why would you want to run a small company just because you're scared of a bigger one? When if you could 10 X what you're doing, if you're doing a hundred thousand now and you could be doing a million in two years from now, you could be giving 10 times the amount of money away or time away or, or whatever you give away. It makes you more impactful as a human being yeah. on your journey through this thing we call life. And that's what I look I'm like. Any way you can get there faster so you can impact bigger amounts of people. That's what it's all about. That's what wealth truly is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I look at money as a tool. It's an energy force. It's it's something that we use to, to be yeah. able to do other things with. Um, yeah, and, it. and it's why when people, it's interesting when an employees in some companies have never been asking, you know, what are your goals? And you get this deer in the headlight stare. Well, what do you mm -hmm. want? Well, I want to pay my bills. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You want to pay your bills. That's fine. Yeah. All I right. So how much do you need to pay your bills? Well, I don't know. All right. What's one of your bills? And you just granularize it. And you, yeah. okay, say one of the bills is a thousand bucks. And I'm just pulling that number out of the air right now. All right. What can we do to help you pay off that $1,000? And they start thinking about it and say, okay, what can we do? I mean, can it be any number of different things with respect to how we do our jobs, bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, referrals can get things, <laughs> selling can get things. I mean, there's so many different things that they can do. And with some of them, we've actually put that money in an escrow account rather than give it to them. Because mm -hmm. we, yeah, they'd spend it on beer or cigarettes or you know something like that rather than pay their bills. 
And so they have to sign off on that. Otherwise, it's not legal. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> the funny thing about it is when the $1,000 is there to pay that bill, it's the first time they truly believe. Wow. You know, and so hmm. bring the bill in, you pay the bill off. It's, you know, it's considered compensation to the person, obviously. But mm. their bill is paid off. All right, what can I do now? Yeah. Here's my next one. And it yeah. starts the process of, of, of It builds the that. belief that it's possible, yeah. right? You build the hope, the belief, yeah. like, wow, this, this thing doesn't run me anymore. I actually own it. Yeah. You can do that yeah. if they want a truck, if they want a house, if they want, you know, a fishing rod, um, you know, whatever. It's, you can do it for anything. It's just what they want. You know, money's just a tool. They say, I, want, I, need, I need a raise. For what? What do you need the raise for? Well, I need more money. Why do I need more money? I mean, you know, and you just dig until you get to what the real issue is. Money is a tool for something. Time off is a tool for something. I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to spend more time with my wife. I want to go on vacation. Okay, where do you want to go on vacation? How much more time do you want to spend with your wife? All right, here's what has to happen for you to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah, there'll be times where the wife doesn't want to spend more time with her husband. <laughs> you get my point. Yeah, of course. Yep. They got to learn how to go to Boston. <laughs> Ruth, Ruth, this is going to be a loaded question for you. So let me load it up. Okay. Okay. Um, I talk to a lot of business owners, especially young and new business owners, and some way, shape, or form, I ended up being sort of like a coach that didn't really set out to be a coach. So just the other day, I coached three different business owners, all sort of the same thing. They were not really focused on their life, everything else. Their focus was just paying bills, paying bills, paying bills. That was their main focus. So this is going to go towards you. What you're doing as a business, was what you're doing as a business, was it created from a pain point in your life? It was created from a pain point. In your life. No, it really and truly, well, it, it was created because number one, I always knew that I was going to have a business, okay? So number two, the company I was working for, I ended up blowing up and saying, I'm not doing this anymore. And I don't know whether that was, you know, force of nature or whatever else it is. And I started. Um, and we figured it out. We absolutely figured it out. <laughs> yeah, it was tough times. I mean, I remember times having, you know, not enough money for groceries. I mean, it's just, but the goal always was to turn on the light bulbs. It's to help companies, owners get and stay profitable and build wealth so that they can give back and, and I can impact their lives. Um, mm -hmm. That's always been my mission. That's always been my goal um, in terms of how I deal with customers. And I don't deal with everybody. I mean, quite frankly, there's some that, you know, I've talked to and I just say, I can't help you. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I want the people who want the help and that's who Absolutely. I work with. And if they're not willing, yep. I mean, my rule is I don't have any contracts. Um, I have a 30 day out and you have a 30 day out. I'm not wasting your time and money and I'm not wasting my time. You know, I, I guess yep. as you get older, you get wisdom in terms of time is more valuable than money. And I know when you're for starting sure. your business, that's just an incomparable thing. I and mean, then it was for me too. But you, you get you get wisdom as you get older. And I think, you know, you've been through all the school of hard knocks and you know what, you know, what has happened. You've survived it. Um, like my sixth startup was my hardest startup ever. Um, I lost a one point five million dollar contract 
half a million dollars in investment writing in that contract and a partner the same day and still managed to start up the company. Wow, so, no shit. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> I have news for you. You can do anything. <laughs> That's the truth. Wow. Wow. And it's still That's growing. Incredible. I mean, it was, it was I love 2002. That. And it's still part of what I'm doing today, actually. That is really cool. So tell us a little bit about your different businesses. Customers. That was mm, 13, 13 viewers. <laughs> it was. So what kind of businesses are you in, Ruth? Like what are some of the different things you're in? A lot of construction, um, okay. plumbing, heating, electrical, um, generator, pool and spa, you know, corporate services, home services from that perspective. The consulting, a lot of the consulting is there. A lot of the speaking is not necessarily construction only. The books I've written are general books. They're not construction only. Um, I've done fun things in the, the, the video businesses that we have. Um, and a lot of the training is starting to go more, you know, COVID started this. The training that we're, I'm doing is a lot more online. A lot of it will be VR in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, AI enabled next couple of years. Um, but the yeah. goal is to, to have everybody who wants to be profitable, building wealth and giving back. You know, can you imagine if the entire world businesses, every business was profitable? What, yeah. what oh would God. happen? Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Just think how much really giving cool. back. Yeah, that's I mean, my point. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, to your point, I've it seems like the different mentors and coaches and people that have that have either just showed up in my life or that I've seeked out there's one thing that I find in common with everyone that I truly respect and it's the fact that they always give back that is their focus of growth is to give back and not just them they ought, some of them make stupid amount of money it's not the point the point is okay good I make more so I can give more I become more so I can give more, mm -hmm. right? So if that's really the focus of your growth, man, like every door opens at that point. You, you live an authentic life. You sleep better at night. You feel better. Your your family thinks more of like all these things happen. And it's it all happens naturally by giving from the soul, giving because you truly want to. And, you know, that's, that's the one thread that I noticed all of them. So when I'm looking for a new mentor or coach in a certain area, I'm like, do they have that thread? Yeah. Is it, are they just in it for me or are they in it for we? That's that's the bigger piece. And if I if I see them out there doing stuff to help people and it could be with time, it could be with money. There's a lot of ways to give back. Is that part of their heart or is it not? Yeah. And if it's not, then I'm like, well, this isn't going to work, yep. you know, but if it is totally I'm on board all day long. Let's do this. Yeah. And, and, and in the beginning, when the businesses were struggling and everything like that, it was more giving back of time necessarily giving back of money because yep. I didn't have it. I just you yep. know, flat didn't have it. Um, but you know, we started an adult literacy organization in 1996 hmm. and that grew um, and we eventually merged it into LVA. But we helped thousands of people learn to read, adults. And it was hmm. really kind of cool. Wow. My daughter was um, five at the time and she got into it. We called it Project Read. And she goes, these people don't know how to read. Now, Kate's been reading, you know, I've been reading to her since she's been in the crib. You know, every night we'd read mm -hmm. something before she went to bed and she was reading on her own ages ago. She couldn't understand how people who were adults didn't know how to read because it was not part of her psyche. And so yeah. I explained it to her and she go, and she just, you know, got into it and wanted to go to things and help and everything else along those lines. So, you know, sometimes kids just need to be exposed. 
yeah. um, in terms yeah. of that. So we did that. Um, I started a group called Women in HVACR, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning refrigeration. Um, and it's now got close to 800 members. Wow. Better women. Amen. You know, yes. yeah. <laughs> you know, my dad was actually like that. He um he left school sixth grade, uh-huh. and he could not read. Um, and he was like he ended up becoming like a superintendent. He had like uh, 30, 40 people up under him. And even when he won awards, my mom would go on stage and speak for him. She always protected him in that way and did not let the world know. He could he start like he started taking night school, but I mean by the time he's. 60 years old i mean he's he's still whatever but he couldn't he could read but he really just could not sit down and read an entire book yeah yeah we we had um 60 and 70 year old people go through the program um and this is adult literacy it's not kid literacy so all the books are focused on adults and experiences Mm -hmm. that they might have experienced Mm -hmm. And a lot of the reasons that the older people went through the program when we asked was they wanted to be able to read to their grandchildren. Wow. Put their grandchildren That's on their so lap powerful. and read, you know, a kid's book. That is so to, cool. a, yeah. to a kid. And, and yeah. they learned you know to read funny? when they were nine, you know, we had a ninety year old do it. It was cool. Now absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Now I was thinking back, you know, up till about the age of thirty five, I hated the idea of reading. It's because I sucked at it. Right. I'd sit there and have a book in front of me and I'd be like, I could, I could read the words, but it was the ability to have like fluid thought throughout it and like yeah. pick up the words and have meaning to them. And I would struggle with that. And it would, as soon as I'd be reading through, I'd read through a couple of chapter or chapter or paragraphs, whatever. My mind would go somewhere else. I'd be outside running around, climbing a tree, whatever in my head. And I'm sitting here trying to read the words on the page that didn't come to life for me. And I struggled for most of my life up till about the age of 35. And when I realized about 35, that again, mentors, coaches, these kinds of, what are these guys doing in order to become so successful? Leaders are readers, mm-hmm. right? So I will never forget it. A friend had a book that I wanted to read. It was, uh, it's called the Rockefeller habits or something to that effect. Right. And there was, you couldn't do an audible because that was my scapegoat. I'd go to audible and I'd listen to it. I'd still get the information, but I'm not a reader. I kept saying, I'm not a reader. I, I don't like to sit down. My mind goes everywhere. I can't read, you know, to that way. And I said, uh, this book, I look, oh, crap, it's not on audible. There's no way to get this book and I must read this book. I sat down and one weekend and read the book. And then all of a sudden I felt so much more confidence. I'm like, crap, it kept my interest. I read through it. This is, let me get another one. And then it just kept going from there. Right. And I'm like, it was only the mental block was in my head. It physically was there. Yeah. I could do it, but I didn't want it bad enough. Because mm-hmm. to me, in my head, I told myself, you're not a reader, you're not a reader. You're never going to be able to focus long enough for that. You're, you've, you know, you're like uh, looking for the shiny object all the time. So once I finally realized I could, yeah. then that's when I became dangerous. When it it's all it took. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, I got the confidence we can do it. And then you see all the books behind me here. You probably can't see them well, but they're, I'm like, I eat these things now because I can't get enough information. Because every time you learn something, you realize you don't know anything. <laughs> You just keep going and going and going and going. It's crazy. Well, you look at the way I look at books now um, is they they provide. If, if a book gives me one idea that I can implement to help my clients and help myself, yep. the book is successful. I yep. rarely read entire books and paper. Probably that's not something to admit on the show, you know, on this. But I find the nuggets that I need, and sometimes yep. it's in the towards the end of the book rather than towards the beginning of the book. And I, and I actually get it, get what I need, implement what I need and, and go forward. So um, rarely do I read an entire book anymore. That doesn't mean you don't read yeah. mine. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> go to page 13. The rest yeah, go is to page all blah, 13. blah, blah, blah. That's, that's the meat. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's you know, it. it's funny you guys are talking about this reading thing. Sort of the exact same thing, Joshua. I did not read in high school. I didn't want to. Yeah. I did. I read a little bit in the Marine Corps because I was bored. You know what I mean? Like if we were deployment and stuff like that, there were times we, we just had hours of nothing. So I'd read a little bit. But recently with the reading, the podcast, I think everything I'm now starting to understand. And this is going to sound crazy. I'm even understanding the old rap music that I was using. I like Jay Z, the stuff he's saying was mm-hmm. about success back in the day. Puffy, I mean, Meek Mill, all these guys were rapping and I was just hearing the beat, boom, boom, whatever. Maybe it's the 12-inch woofers that I got in the trunk now, but <laughs> I'm actually hearing the words of what they're saying. I'm like, holy shit, like, like they're giving the goods and we weren't listening. But Ruth, I want to hit you back with something. It's on mindset. It was the point where, one thing I noticed, Josh said he noticed a lot of successful people are givers. I'm noticing... And it's mind blowing because I didn't see this before. I'm noticing a lot of successful people have a mindset of knowing and believing they can. And you said something that struck me and actually wrote it down. It's like once these people see that their bills are they could pay the bill, then they wake up. Mm -hmm. How do you get them into that position? And and what have you noticed when you get in there? What changes? Their whole life changes because, you know, again, they've had this negative thing. Oh, I got bills. I got bills. I got bills. And you become what you think about, whether you realize it or not. If you're always totally negative, like Joshua, you said, I couldn't read. I couldn't read until I absolutely Mm -hmm. had to. And then, oh, I can read. So either their parent, I mean, there's, there's a lot of owners who, you know, ask their employees, you know, what are your goals? And, And their parents haven't even asked them this question. So if they don't grow up with it, how are they going to know it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so a lot of time it's like, you know, what are you talking about? Okay, well, why do you want money? And and that's generally what they want. They either want money or they want time off. It's rarely anything other than those two things. And if they're struggling, it definitely is money. All right, so what do you want money for? And they tell you, you know, and you dive down into it to the point where you say, okay, give me a bill. Let's pay off this bill. Let's figure out how to pay off this bill. You know, maybe we take 1% of your salary every week or 2% and we put it in a savings account. And then there's enough in the savings account to pay the bill off. And then you go pay, you pay the bill off and all of a sudden it's like, all right, if I paid this one off, what do I have to do to pay the next one off? And all of a sudden they start get climbing out of this negative, you know, really and cruelly negative thing areas. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been fortunate enough to do is I, I went through Leadership Atlanta. And one of the things that we did at Leadership Atlanta was go to all of the shelters, go to the soup kitchens and things like that. And when you talk to these people, they don't think like I think. They think very insular, you know, oh, woe is me. This is happening to me. There's nothing I can do about it. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da, for the most part. I'm not saying all of them. But if you can get them and show them one little positive thing and build on that one little positive thing, you're doing really, really good, right? Yeah, momentum. So let's flip this to those business owners that, um, Dwayne, you were talking about who are just like, I got to pay my bills, got to pay my bills, got to pay my bills. Okay. What has to happen to the business so that you don't have to worry about paying your bills all the time? One of the things that I forced, you know, as much as I possibly can, my, my clients to do is put 1% of all revenues in a savings account. 
That's it. One percent. You get a check in the door for a thousand dollars. You take ten dollars of it and put it in a savings account. Again, you have to implement. All right. You can still pay your bills on the nine hundred ninety dollars. I promise you, you can. All right. <laughs> but if you do that every week, the savings account builds up. And I've had a few of them having really good years going to the big boys or big girls toy store. Like, oh gosh, I got all this money. <laughs> they only do that once because then they finally realize what happens. But when COVID hit, even you know, way before the PPP loans and everything else along those lines were were you know developed and, and, and done, I had so many of them call me on the phone or send me an email saying, thank you for making me put money away. I can survive this no matter what. Yeah. You know, and we again, use, um, I'm sorry, I thought you paused. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so it's just that, what my, last thing I was saying, it's just that very, very little bit. It's 1%. I mean, it's nothing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but it's in aggregate, it turns out to be a lot. And it's the same thing that we have to do with our employees. We take 1% of their paycheck. They still can mm. live on the other 99%. I promise you they can. You know, and you put it in a savings account, and then that first thing happens. And well, can I put away 2%? Yeah, you can put away 2%, you know, da, 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 da. But you know, as they get the tools and as they start seeing success with it, success breeds success too. Mindset is very hard to change until something happens to make it change. Yeah. Yeah. Ruth, we I, I tell you what saved the financial side on my side is um, I started working with the profit first system. Mm -hmm. And so there's like 6% or 8%, depending on what comes in and what times that we put over. And it actually was the catalyst. I remember, I remember like yesterday when uh, the whole thing was going down and Joshua and I had a conversation and he sort of like asked like, what, how are you, what position you're in? And I'm like, dude, I'm good for months. I'm like, but if it does go, I'm going to stop paying rent. Like, you know what I mean? But I got money to hold me over, feed everything, but I'm good for months. And in business turn, and we just started killing it. But uh, what I want to hit is, and this is this is really where the mindset is, is not only do you got to get the contractors to pay the bills, how do you get them to understand that abundance is not a bad thing? They have to be down in the dumps to the nth degree and hitting rock bottom mm -hmm. before they're really probably going to pay attention. There's got to be a right. reason, a compelling reason. You know, Joshua, yours is I had to read this book. Yep. You know, and it doesn't have to be something that's really, really mind blowing from something that's on the outside. They they might just wake up one day and say, I'm done. I'm sick of this crap. What do I have to do? Yeah. And then they go out and seek it. But something in their brain has to change. Otherwise, Anything you do is not going to help them. It's like lip service in one ear and out the other. And, you know, you can, what's the, the thing you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yep. And that, in those cases, you're leading the horse to water, but there's nothing to drink. They don't care. Yep. You know, and sometimes we can do it through their wives. Mm. Mm. You know, it just kind of depends. You know, each person is different. Each person's motivation is different. And you've got to figure out what that is. You know, you know, as I said, you know, a lot of people don't start reading my books and, and, and that type of thing until they get in trouble. You know, until yeah. then this will never happen to me. Well, guess what? It will mm -hmm. happen to you if you don't pay attention to your numbers. <laughs> it will. Yep. Something's yep. gonna come bite you in the butt. You're gonna be there. Yeah. I never thought about the spouse thing when it comes to that. That's powerful. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. A lot of times when we set the goals, we set the goals with the spouse more so than the guys mm -hmm. we want to know what they want yeah 
because who's going to push them better than their, their wife? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's built, built in accountability right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good thing I went to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> we got our priorities in order. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ruth, yeah. earlier you mentioned about how you can, you know, with the P&Ls and the balance uh, statements to how we can super simplify them. Because, you know, I know for early in business, I look at those things and I'm like, all I see is numbers. All I care about is what's the profit at the end of the year. Right. And I, well, I didn't realize until later in life that that profit is a is a fictitious number. Right. You, you can't take that bill and take it to the bank and actually or to the car dealership and buy something because it's all theoretical. How much cash is there? Like what, what's the actual cash value? So. Can, do you have a couple of little nuggets you can drop on us about if we're looking at our P&Ls or our budget or our, sorry, our balance statements, um, what we could be looking for if we know we're doing okay, is there percentages? Like what could you drop on us that could help us a little bit? All right, here's very quickly some ways that you can see in less than a minute, less than a minute, that your financial statements are not accurate, all right? Number one, okay. does your balance sheet balance? So does that mean that your asset side of your balance sheet, which should balance your liabilities and equity side, the two sides balance. If they don't, you got a problem right then and there. All right, that's number one. Number two, if you have accounts receivable, i.e. people who owe you money, you've billed for it, does that balance in your amount that's in your receivables report balance the amount that's shown on your balance sheet? If the two aren't identical, you got a problem. Same thing with payables. Does your account's payable balance, i.e. the people you owe, match the account's payable balance on your balance sheet? Again, it's two seconds to do these types of things. It's not hard to do them. Yep. The, th the third thing is to make sure you're operating on an accrual basis, which means that you generate, when you send out an invoice, it's considered revenue, whether or not you've gotten money in the door, when you send, when you bill comes in the door, whether or not you paid it, it's there. You have true receivables, two payables, and true inventory. Wow. All right. So that's important. I mean, for those of you who use QuickBooks, it's one thing, a little button that you press, accrual or cash, press accrual. Yep. The reports printing out is really easy in QuickBooks, print out your reports. It's not hard to yep. do. All right. So those are some really easy things that you can do. Profit is not cash. Profit just means revenues were higher than expenses. Okay, your profits get turned into cash when you collect, all right? So mm -hmm. you've got to watch your receivable days, i.e. from the time you send out a bill to the time you get paid, how many days is it? If it's, you know, if it's more than 30 days, why? Small business is not a bank. We're not bankers, right? Yep. Best I heard anyway. You know, make a phone call, figure out where it is, make sure, you know, and the rule of the squeaky wheel gets the grease really and truly is true. If you don't... Yep. Pay attention to your money. Nobody else is going to. You know, the cash mm -hmm. thing is really important. Um, you should do a weekly cash flow report, which says how much did we start the week with, how much came in, how much went out, what's left at the end of the week, and what do we project coming in and going out next week to make sure we can still pay our bills. So these are some mm -hmm. really easy, quick things that you can do to make sure that's there. Um, there are other things that you can do that take a little bit longer, like you can calculate what's known as a current ratio, which is current assets divided by current liabilities, cash or things that are turned into cash divided by bills you have to pay for in a year. If it's increasing, generally your profitability is increasing. If it's decreasing, generally your profitability is decreasing. So those are, those are some things that are there. 
I hate percentages because you can't take percentages to the bank. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, I made 10% this year. Who cares? Yep. Now I can't go to the bank and to the teller and say, would you deposit my 10%? She'd look at me like that. <laughs> Call the cops. This person's nuts, you know, type thing. Yep. The only thing you can take to the bank are dollars. And that's why net profit per hour is so important, which is simply for every revenue producing dollar, how much falls to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, percent. I mean, I can show you two companies, each with a 10% net, one who was earning about $50 net profit per hour and the other who was earning about 10. Which would you rather be? Come on, let's be real. Yeah, 50. Exactly. Yeah, the percentages don't matter. So the, those are really, really important to do. Um, the other thing that, that you probably always want to do, if anybody has inventory, inventory is a bet, all right? You have to track it and you have to make sure that it gets billed to the proper jobs. Um, and if you don't have inventory on your balance sheet and you actually do have inventory, you're, you're joking. You're kidding yourself. It's not accurate. Your inventory needs to be accurate. And when you start little, it's a lot easier to start right. Then you become a million or $2 million company and then have to do it right. It's painful when it's there. Mm. It's a whole lot less painful if you're, you know, a dollars $500,000 company with inventory. Just be careful. So those are a few things. I mean, the books have tons of them, um, but they're all in English. They're not in accounting babble. Okay, good. That's that's a big thing because I know when I started reading, I even you know got books like uh, you know accounting for dummies and reading through that, just trying to figure out because I just wanted somebody to talk to me in regular layman's terms, you know, mm-hmm. instead of these crazy accountant speak type words that I'm like, all right, I gotta go to the dictionary and figure out what the hell that even means. And you know, and <laughs> since then, thank goodness we can hire bookkeepers and tax accountants and all that. And I'm just like, look. I'm really good at what I do and I trust you to be really good at what you do. So you just show English. me what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just give it to me. In You're the translator here. These are two different languages here. So, you know, do your thing and then we meet monthly and go through and make sure that we're still on track and that we're, you know, everything is good. If we see any problems, we need to fix them. You know what I mean? So I know in the beginning it was all about the passion of the job itself, right? I just love the idea that I was able to make all the money on the project, right? I didn't have to split it with a boss. So I was like, all right, this is great. Uh, but then the whole thing of business and numbers and all that cockamamie stuff jumps in then all of a sudden they, you can be it's kind of like a scorecard right you yeah. can be tracked whether you're doing it or not you can in your head think you're doing amazing you're selling all this work and then at the end of the year you've got nothing to show That's for right, it. It right? or like and especially in our business right being outdoor in the beginning with landscaping you know before the outdoor living side every year we would start a new business i'd say because you would start out in the beginning of the year you had a little bit of money from the year before hopefully you would work through the winter we didn't plow snow so we'd work through the winter in pennsylvania right like okay we got plenty of money for spring then april 15th came tax man put his big fat hand out you had to pay that guy plus first quarter as well That's right, the next so day. you do both yeah. bang bang right and then like crap i've got not like i gotta be selling projects now just to pick up cash flow so then all of a sudden we have all this cash because i sold a bunch at springtime right all this money then you're like oh cool i got all this extra money let's go buy a piece of equipment no, this will be fun or save us on taxes right it's like don't do that i know that now but that's what i would be doing back then right and then you go all the way to the fall and your belly's full and you've got all this money now you got these new expenses you know these new monthly liabilities you know these new pieces of equipment that you can walk around and see your name on and it's all exciting and then you're like crap come winter again but this winter we have even more expenses and then we do it all over again and we, i did that for 15 years straight over and over and over i said there has to be a better, better way to do way. this <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. But it took me 15 years of grueling through the trenches to figure that that's not the way to run a business. But that's how 90% of people in our industry are taught. They're not stupid. They're taught to run business that way because it keeps the tax man happy, right? At the end of the day, it keeps, it. it keeps the- short. Yeah, yeah, it's way too short. Because eventually what happened, Ruth, is the tail started wagging the dog. And what that means is you started having, you know, over five or six years of accelerated depreciations and all this to save the tax dollar at the end of the year. You had four, five, six, eight, 10 different payments yeah. stacked up. And then come winter, it became instead of only I need a thousand dollars a month to cover the nut. Now I need five thousand dollars a month to cover the nut. That equipment's sitting there looking at you smiling like it was before. And now you've got to put more money into it because it's getting older and all these kinds of things. And pretty soon, like I said, the tail wags a dog and you're working just to make payments and all that equipment that's shiny in the front yard. And you realize, wait a minute here, wait a minute here. Is it really worth the tax savings at the end of the year? No. It's not. <laughs> That's the thing. It's not. We actually stopped all that practice toward the end of that uh, that 15 years because you could see it. It was running on the wall. It's like, no, no, no. I'd rather have very little expense that way. If I need to purchase a piece of equipment, that's fine. Let's do that. Let's figure out how to do either cash or do it very low terms. Let's not do it to save cat or tax dollars. Let's do it to make sure that we're being as, as efficient as possible on our projects. And if it happens to coincide with the tax man, that's great. But if not, we're not doing it because of. Yeah. That is one slippery ass slip. Yeah, you do not run your business to pay your taxes. That's right. And that's what that whole system's about. To be profitable. Yeah, exactly. And you know, one thing that might help you is the way I look at how much cash you need is you take three months of payroll expenses and add six months of overhead expenses. And that's how much should be in your savings account. So three and six. And then you don't have to worry about it. Yep. Ruth, the time that... My business is, you know, when I finally made it through, it wasn't even the million dollar ceiling. It was even beyond that. When I, when I stopped worrying about paying bills and just knowing we got plenty in the account mm -hmm. because we're, we're not just crushing it, but because we actually understand how much we need, how much we need to bring in each month, all these kinds of things. And once it hits that line, let's say it's 10,000 a month in order to cover the nut, whatever it might be, a hundred thousand yeah, a matter. And then pretty soon you're like, dude, I do that like the first week. And then the rest is gravy. So you're like, I don't have to think about those things anymore. Now I can focus on working on my business, not working in it to pay the bills. And that's when you get released and you finally get to own a business, not own a job. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's such a, wow. I hope everybody listening out there actually realizes how powerful this stuff that Ruth is sharing with us today. And, you know, once you make that transition and you believe you can, and when you do, Everything is different, dude, and everything is much more fun to, to be part of, for back. sure. That's even more fun. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. dude. That's really where it takes off. Yeah. It takes off right down there. But All right, Ruth, do you have any other uh, nuggets you want to drop on our listeners here before we wrap up? Make sure you get your financials every month, and they're accurate and timely. How's that? <laughs> do, you, do you like QuickBooks Online as a platform to do so? I don't care what you use as long as the numbers okay. are accurate. Got it. And okay. you can make good business decisions from it. You can use pencil and paper if you want. I do not care. If you still want to have ledger books, fine. Not what I would do these days, but I mean, there's probably some still out there who are doing it on ledger books. Yep. And books aren't something you do once a year, guys. This is something you do daily or weekly. Daily. Okay. Daily. Or you have somebody that does this for you, but this is not something you put it in a box and hand it to your accountant at the end of the year. That's you're, you're fucked if that's the case, <laughs> yeah, right? No, you really, <laughs> you need to be seeing this. That's, that's like shutting your eyes, getting in the car, turning on the ignition and just stepping on the gas. And that's what it's like. Most people run their businesses that way. And man, you need to, once you open your eyes, it's like getting that, that those books, that clarity, those optics and be able to watch those each week, each month in order to get a sense of where you're going. So man, it, it's, whew, 
I know because I was that guy at one point. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know how scary that is. And I look back and I'm like, how did you not crash and burn? I have no idea how you actually made it through. Yeah. But I know now that I would never do it that way. And starting other businesses, I know exactly what I'm doing first. It's optics. It's getting the clarity yeah. of all that yeah, first. Absolutely. Cool. For sure. So Ruth, how can people find you? You're awesome. How can people find you? you know, what can you offer them? Like what, what, what are you out there in the world? What are we doing? The best place to find me is at www.ruthking.info. Everything I do is there. It's just like, you know, everything can link off of there. Um, you okay. can call me and I'm thrilled to answer a question here or there, you know, just to help you. Um, all my books are there. All my classes are there. All the speeches are there. All of the different videos are there. I mean, everything is at Ruth King and info. And that's where, if you want to get a hold of me, is where I'd go. Now, Ruth, what's the ideal student or client for you? What do they look like? What is their situation? I don't care whether they're in trouble, all right? Okay. I do care that they want to get out of trouble. They will listen and implement. I mean, as I, I think we talked about earlier, is I, I don't waste their time and their money and my time anymore. I'm too old for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. And is that. it just mainly construction or is it all kind of companies? No, you can, there's others too, other than construction. Okay. Um, you know, a $100,000 company, you're probably going to want to read one of my books. You're, you know, seven hundred and fifty thousand, half million to, you know, above. You, that's probably where you can really get impacted from it. Okay. I love that. So, sort of like seven hundred and fifty k and above is when you start cracking those numbers. Is when you really start because that's when you really need to start learning anyway. Because yeah. when you yeah. get to those yeah. numbers, it's you got to become a totally different person. Yeah. Well, I've had in in some of my classes, I do a class called Building Profit and Wealth. We spend a day on balance sheets, a day on um, P and Ls and pricing. And I've had business startups in that class. And I, you know, I always compliment them for doing it early mm -hmm. rather than waiting until they get in trouble so that they can start and do it from day one or, you know, first couple of six months the right way. So important. It's so important, so important to do it right from yeah. the beginning. For sure. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, Ruth, I certainly appreciate you coming on today and I've learned a lot and I hope the listeners have as well. You know, it's our goal, Dwayne and I, to, uh, to impact and empower, you know, 2 million people in the next five years through the spoken words, through our, our, you know, courses that we have and, and, and speaking to amazing people like Ruth. So if you love what you hear today, you know, heard today and you think of somebody, just one person in your life that would benefit from hearing this conversation, share the podcast with them. That's what we're doing this for. You know, we're doing this to really be able to help and spread the word and having awesome people like Ruth on to that get it that gets the whole mission of giving and, and you know pushing this information further out into the world so Ruth, thank you again for being on and um yeah until next week guys keep killing it <laughs>